Well, you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Casey Kasem. We're counting down the top hits of 1973. Yeah, one could almost imagine Doris Day uh, twirling around her apartment to that last set of music. I like that stuff. That's what I call AM gold. Yeah, it's the was... music of my childhood. Exactly. Junior high for me. Uh, obviously, I referenced to Doris Day Ooga as the chaka. fact that we heard... Ooga Chuck. Ooga Chuck. You know, she could have sung that to Rock Hudson on the pillow. Her movies were a little goofy, and she was a little perky for me, but, uh, boy, she could sing. She was uh, about as all-American as you get. Anyway, I guess I'll always associate the death of Dor- uh, Doris Day with... Uh, with the- Departure of John Beeline from the University of Michigan. But Doris Day's still alive. She just died. Oh, did she? Yeah, today. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, so did Peggy Lipton. They, uh, uh, Norma from the Double R Diner in Twin Peaks. Uh, oh, right, right. <clears throat> and uh, Link, I don't know. Doris Day was damn near 100 years yeah, old. Yeah, she was. She yeah. was, uh, I think they said 97. I think there's been some disputes about her date of birth, but whatever. We'll uh, find out more about her tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, I I was amazed that she retired in 68. That was maybe the thing that surprised me the most, Uh, because she was certainly a top-notch box office draw there in the 50s and early 60s. Okay, Sarah, Sarah. At least she made it into one Alfred Hitchcock movie. A lot of leading ladies can't, uh, can't admit to that. Uh, true. Although that's a strange movie. It's a strange. It's a strange one. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart drugging his wife. It's a strange one. <clears throat> anyway, it's uh, been a strange week, boy. As far Melania as like uh, Trump has probably been drugged, <clears throat> as she seems perhaps to have been. <laughs> I wonder to what extent uh, the hair treatments are uh, drugging the Donald. Um, is will Steve Mnuchin? Uh, be jailed who knows that would be fun to see well you know and it's weird that trump is fighting literally with just about everybody in the world on all sorts of issues almost across the board and how bizarre to see victor orban in the white house today with trump uh, uh lavishing praise on victor orban um claiming that his immigration policies are great uh, i'd like to point out to mr trump that Hungary under Orban has lost over a million well-educated individuals connected with the universities. And really all Orban is doing is running a sort of disinformation propaganda war against George Soros. Um, What he's actually doing for Hungary is anybody's guess. But uh, I don't think too many previous presidents would have had a um, authoritarian thug like Orban uh, in the White House. And that's again... Other than Ronald Reagan, he might Well, have. Ronald Reagan sort of looked with favor on, uh, at that time in the Cold War, it was the, uh, you know, philosophy of the uh, enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so a lot of the uh, outreaches from the Reagan administration and H.W. Bush was involved in this with, well, uh, with like sort of fascist anti-communist movements throughout Eastern Europe. So <clears throat> that's the closest they got to totalitarianism. Uh, this guy, as we have noted 
numerous times, just loves the totalitarian yeah. and the authoritarian and the dictator types. And he's and he's one of Trump's few friends at this point. Trump, I could uh, you can pretty much put Duterte and Netanyahu in that short list because mm -hmm. even the recent don't uh, forget Putsi. Missile launches by uh, Kim Jong-un have disrupted things. And, of course, this trade war, um, you know, whoop de do That's my reaction to it. Um, it's just simply going to raise prices for people in America and in China. Behavioral economics has been a very big subject um, <clears throat> in modern economics for the last 25, 30 years. A lot of the winners of the Nobel prize in economics is specialized in behavior economics. And we know that when certain goods go up in price by, say, 25%, consumers have choices. They either can pay the piper uh, or they can look for an alternative product or they can do without and just say that's it. Now, for instance, if you're a coffee drinker and you make coffee at home, it might cost you 25 cents at the most to make a cup of coffee. But you can get coffee at a more expensive place if you wish. You're paying more to have them make the coffee for you. Um, but if you're a coffee drinker, you're going to get coffee pretty much no matter what. That's called a product that's uh, inelastic demand. And when I saw all of the junk on the list, I'm kind of like, why is anybody even buying these products to begin with? Um, what's interesting is China, in retaliating, has focused on uh, <clears throat> food. Our farmers are getting hammered by this uh, trade war. And the notion that they can survive another growing season while Trump is trying to play macho man... Um, I think it's delusional, and I think the Democrats have made a terrible mistake not exploiting this issue uh, realistically for, uh, you'd think, policy reasons. With all the visits to Iowa, that this is something that's got to be on the uh, on the clipboard, right, to talk about? Yeah. That uh, how crazy this is to institute a policy that really essentialist, take soybeans in particular, makes the bottom fall out of your market. Your product is now worth very little prices have declined rapidly prices have declined rapidly you're sitting on surpluses um and, and you have no place to sell it no place to sell it to it took years to cultivate these markets uh it had been a growing uh business for uh pun unintended um for farmers in the soybean export um, and now the American taxpayer is, in addition to the higher costs that they may face on washing machines or other items on the list of maybe not such uh, necessary items that you're talking about, uh, will also be footing the cost for the $12 million in aid programs to soybean farmers. Oh, billion, yeah. $12 billion. Yes, yes. So mm -hmm. how does that you know, enter into the... That, that's not Chinese money going into the American treasury. And speaking of the American treasury, it's so bizarre to see Donald Trump talk so boldly and brazenly about all the money that China will be putting into the American treasury when he himself, last week, openly spoke of the sport 
Of declaring losses. Of declaring losses uh, in the face of, you know, what you as a businessman or a taxpayer owe the American Treasury. We all pay our taxes unless you're one of those guys. Well, and also all those losses should underscore that Donald Trump is not the greatest businessman in the world. Well, in fact, uh, you could say he's the worst businessman in the country, literally, because of the incredible uh, amount of losses. I think the next person down in the list of who lost the most was half as much. Well, and and what he did in the 80s was he promoted a mythology in the New York media about his wealth. He won, he wanted very badly. He always uses that term, very badly. He wanted very badly to get on the Forbes list. So what does he do? He impersonates himself. John Barron, uh David Dennison, individual number 1 on the phone, yeah, yeah. dropping out leaks and and uh tidbits. And he's telling, you know, he's calling up uh, a reporter for Forbes. Uh, letting him know that, uh, <clears throat> you know, he's got way more in assets than are being reported. That uh, And what we now know is that he was hemorrhaging money, borrowing money from Papa, who for some reason he now thinks was born in Germany, um, the whole time. He's one of the biggest frauds in American history. And this idea that you wanted to show losses is uh, ridiculous. Uh, How do you secure financing if you're showing losses? You have to be committing bank fraud. And, you know, I think when we say follow the money, which is the famous uh, deep-throat scene in the garage with uh, uh, Robert Redford and Hal Holbrook, uh, that's really where things are going to go in the the, uh, obstruction of justice investigations. Um, interesting to see that a Republican senator, chairman of the Intelligence Committee, subpoenaed Donald Trump Jr. Uh, do you want to correct your story? Uh, seems like we got some witnesses that contradict what you've told us before. There again, though, he's like, as is the blanket policy towards subpoenas and uh, requests yeah. for documents. Just blanket dismissals and denials. Uh, That'll only hold for so long. I mean, clearly it's a delay tactic. But even if he's able to delay Don Jr.'s subpoena or these uh, requests for all sorts of documentation from various uh, House committees, uh, the day will come where I would imagine a full-blown RICO-style investigation into the Trump business world will be... uh, quite the spectacle in the New York uh, state legal system. And just for on a technicality, Donald Trump Jr. has no executive position in the government. Right. He's head of the Trump Organization, or he's, you know, junior birdman of the Trump Organization. That's always been a little unclear with Trump's dealings. And over the last several weeks, we start to question whether Donald Trump knows less about business solvency, uh, free trade, steel production, teapot dome, or Watergate. He doesn't know anything. Um, He thinks he can tweet his way out of this. Well, I don't think we're at a constitutional crisis. I think that's a bit of an exaggeration. But when Mueller's report specifically says, well, we're not charging Trump because... We don't think he can defend himself, and we we don't know about whether a 
sitting president can be indicted. That's Congress's job. That's what it mm-hmm. says right in the report. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where we're at here. I mean, this is certainly a, going to become a separation of powers debate. Uh, I don't think Don McGahn is going to fall on his sword for Donald Trump. Uh, I think Mueller will eventually testify. It may take a while. And meanwhile, General Bob Barr, or excuse me, Bill Barr, Bob Barr was on the impeachment uh, committee uh, against Bill Clinton. Uh, William Barr, Attorney General William Barr. Bill the Toolbox Barr. The Tool like Man, to yeah. He's, uh, his credibility is waning, to say the least. Oh, threadbare at best. And the idea that he's going to, I don't know, wriggle his way out of this strikes me as somewhat silly. Um, he didn't want to show up last week uh, because he was worried about the councils asking questions. He only wanted the congressman to ask questions. That's a really minor technicality. That really can be worked out, probably. Many of the people, by the way, on the House Judiciary Committee are either uh, lawyers or, in the case of uh, Jamie Raskin of uh, Maryland, he's a constitutional lawyer. There's a couple of prosecutors yeah. on there, former prosecutors. And a well. lot of prosecutors. And we saw uh, Kamala Harris, uh, who uh, is uh, running for president, just absolutely drill. Oh, that was one of the more damning exchanges. Yeah. And... This is going to continue. We need to remember that the Watergate impeachment hearings started in May of 73, and they went on for 14 months. And one of the odd things about uh, William Barr sort of muddling everything up here is this is just going to string things out even further. Um, As for China, I'm going to take a little bit of a dissenting position here in the sense that I think that the intellectual property argument is a red herring. I don't think there's any question that 25 years ago, the the stories of China pilfering CDs and, you know, mass producing uh, designer sunglasses and blue jeans and all sorts of fraudulent products, basically, uh, was, was definitely happening. But China in the last several years has really moved in a completely different direction. They've been able to anticipate uh, this uh, situation with Trump because Trump at this point doesn't care about America's interests. He only cares about his own interests. Mm -hmm. He has this theory with no evidence to support it that, quote, the Chinese are paying for the tariffs. My God, his own economic advisor Kudlow, who's a a windbag from the old days, he even contradicted that this weekend. China is not paying for the tariffs. Uh, Trump has this bizarre belief that leaders around the world sit around in their office and negotiate trade deals. I'm I'm a deal man. I make the greatest deals in the world. Well, yeah, you renege on all your deals, dude. Uh, we, we we're quite interested in those great deals. That's what we want to see. That's what we would like to see the the details. Show the evidence us. of the details. Show us how great and awesome they are. You know, show us the essential bodily fluids, the sweat that you undertook to to get these great trade deals, the greatest trade deal in the world. He keeps saying, "Look, 
China can observe that Trump doesn't even have a, a deal on NAFTA uh, with, with Canada and uh, Mexico. He refuses to take the tariffs off steel and aluminum. He has been told time and time again, this goes back for six months. This isn't like a complaint uh, that um, just sort of came out of nowhere. This has been the position of the Canadian government for quite some time. Uh, what does Trump do to dis disrupt this thing? Well, it's quite clear that China is not going to negotiate away the way they do business. You know, completely change their system to accommodate Donald Trump. I mean, America has subsidized industries. What on earth is, do you think has been going on with the fossil fuel industry for the last 40 years? Or even the agriculture programs? Mm -hmm. We came up with agriculture programs, by the way, during the Depression to get prices up to a realistic relationship to the cost of production. If farmers are going out of business, banks are going out of business, they can't finance mortgages for houses, and the whole economy begins to collapse. And there is this mythology in America that America had this great booming economy in the 19th century with laissez-faire capitalism. Baloney. I just read a book. 35 panics between uh, 1864 or, or excuse me, between 1834, uh, roughly when the uh, National Bank was canceled by Andrew Jackson, up until the Great Depression. And it took, you know, characters like J.P. Morgan in 1907 to literally come in and float liquidity into the system to keep it afloat. J.P. Morgan allegedly was on a boat, and they got a you know a, a signal, telegraph, turn that boat around and get him back to New York. The panic of 1907. Trump is creating this panic. It's pointless. China is not going to change their system. Let's remember that the PRC is only 70 years old. Let's remember the history of the 19th century. Has Donald Trump read anything about Mao Zedong thought? I would think that would be a prerequisite to be president of the United States. Because if you read something about Marxist-Leninist Mao Zedong thought, the teachings of Chairman Mao, you would understand China's position. China is nationalist, like any other country. It's easy to stand up to America, and we're seeing it in case after case after case. Trump is trying to create wars with economic wars with Cuba, Venezuela, Iran. You know, we had this incident in the in the Gulf uh, last night that we don't know that much about yet. But um, <clears throat> these this approach is, is not working, and the reason it's not working is that China read the tea leaves accurately. Trump is a loser. He's not a deal maker. He's a demagogue. He wants, quote, wins, whatever that means. They're just smiling and saying, eh, we can survive this. They've been moving their economic development, uh, you know, into the one ro road, one belt uh, 
policy for the last several years. I thought the biggest development of 2017 uh, in, in relationship to uh, some of the early signs that China was uh, going to accommodate Donald Trump's family business interests. Ivanka was getting all sorts of trademarks and little cushy deals in China. Was when Xi Jinping reversed um, a policy regarding uh, recyclables. We're not taking your recyclables mm -hmm. anymore. We don't care about free trade. You keep them. So, I mean, if Walmart shoppers and Amazon uh, internet people have to pay more for whatever, sweaters and dog collars, I noticed that was on the list. I'm like, oh my God, the price of dog collars is going up 25%. What will we do? <clears throat> well, that may affect uh, Trump's personal life in some ways that we yeah. don't quite fully grasp. But uh, Kellyanne Conway. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's it's just classic. We've seen this pattern before, where there'll be a series of blunders and missteps, and and bad news for clown pants, and then there'll be one little glimmer of good news, like oh, uh, uh, job numbers. And instead of making that the focus of the next couple of days, he'll undermine it. Sure. So you've got these, you know, uh, numbers that suggest, oh, the economy is actually in, in pretty decent shape, despite the fact that there's a complete knucklehead uh, at the helm. Um, he, he doesn't read and he doesn't listen to the people who do read. In fact, when his advisors, sometimes they're told, as uh, Nielsen was, don't talk to him about that. He doesn't want to hear about election security um, because that undermines his ego regarding uh, the, the way it all played out in 2016. So it really is like there's no one there because everyone's afraid to assert, well, no, actually the facts point in this direction, but uh, I'll be contradicting the great leader. And so we really have uh, arrived at uh, Banana Republic-style leadership here. Yeah, and, and in this pattern of <clears throat> sort of his disappearing on Saturdays where he plays golf and catches up on his television shows and then coming out Sunday morning with all these angry tweets, I think it's becoming problematic. I think China would have made a... <clears throat> A small deal, you know, where there's a little tweaking involved. But they're not going to change the fundamental way that they do business. And because they were not going to agree to quote a big deal, the Trump advisors deliberately sabotaged the deal. They then come out and accuse China of reneging on agreements. China said, we didn't renege on anything. We've been holding our position now for 18 months. I, this this thing has gone on so long, it's hard to know when it began. Uh, obviously, the tariffs began uh, last uh, July, but those soybeans that American farmers couldn't sell, they're sitting in bins. Mm -hmm. Some of them are going to get flooded by the Mississippi River um, in some of those areas. They don't have an alternative market. China just went to Brazil and Argentina. It took decades to get these um, arrangements 
uh, to, uh, to come to fruition. Trade is done by individuals with corporations, mm-hmm. corporations with corporations, corporations with individuals. It's contractual. Sometimes it's a handshake. Sometimes it's a written deal. Why would anybody make a written deal with Donald Trump, by the way? Given the fact that he's reneged on virtually every deal he's ever made. Um, That he is a documented business fraud. Um, Michael Cohen actually testified to that. the, The record speaks for itself. And as for the uh, notion that Trump's policies are, quote, working, which he repeatedly asserted over the weekend, this is total nonsense. Just earlier in March, article by Jim Tankersley, one of the New York Times' main uh, economic reporters, and Anna Swanson, America's trade deficit in goods with the rest of the world rose to its highest level in history last year. This is from the uh, 7th of March, 2019. As the United States imported a record number of products, including from China, (coughs) widening the deficit to $891 billion and delivering a setback to Donald Trump's goal of narrowing the gap. Budget deficit. All-time high. So all of this rubbish about economic growth that Trump keeps quoting, the economy is booming. Baloney. In very little writing, I don't know if you noticed this, but the Wall Street Journal had a little article in uh, this month's uh, unemployment numbers that showed that the American Service Index dropped to its lowest level in two years. So the economy is not booming. It's muddling along. It's going sideways. All the graphs show that. Um, And by the way, um, our trade importations from China involve $540 billion. China can shut some of America's manufacturing down, actually. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Trump knows that. Uh, we have rely on China for key rare earth elements, for instance, metals. Industrial components. Yeah. And it's the push, the cost push factor in these uh, uh, tariffs that are so troubling. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, they had this rather interesting article about the <clears throat> impact of the washer tariff, the, the tariffs on washers, uh, which... Interestingly, allowed manufacturers here in America to increase the price of dryers by uh, $92 last year. It says tariffs did discourage foreign companies to shift more of their manufacturing to the United States and created about 1,800 new jobs, the researchers concluded. But they came at a steep cost, $817,000 per job. That sounds like Trumponomics to me. That's that's a net loss. <laughs> that sounds like shafting the uh, you know the contractors that painted. Uh, that's his business model. Yeah, that's his model. Yeah, um, and ultimately, at the heart of this, 
I've said this before. I'm going to keep saying it until somebody in this contingency starts to wake up. This is largely driven by the utter collapse of the Republican Party. Yeah. Where are those budget uh, uh, deficit hawks? Sure. They signed off on the uh, poorly conceived tax bill. This party now stands for nothing except blind adherence to whatever cuckoo banana pants says. Right. And uh, they appear to be craving, as Charles Blau says in today's paper, and as I was saying last week, an imperial presidency where the Senate has sort of rendered itself insignificant, inoperative, obsolete, whatever he wants. That's cool. That's not. I mean, it's a co-equal branch. Well, they're in the modified limited hangout with Mitch McConnell. (laughs) What great words from him last week. Case closed. Case closed. Hardly. um, You know, that is a complete misreading of the situation regarding the investigation into the obstruction of justice. Now, what I think is closed is the idea that Trump is going to be removed by the United States Senate in an impeachment trial. That's a political issue. We know what the verdict's going to be if that's what it comes to. But when we have Democratic leaders pointing out that Donald Trump is practically goading them into starting impeachment hearings because of lack of cooperation... That's a kind of a scary development. Um, And I don't know how this is going to get sorted out, ultimately, because Donald Trump is just on a rage tirade. Well, that's it's going to go to the courts. And and I agree with what you said at the beginning of the show that Jerry Nadler was being a little dramatic when he said we're in a constitutional crisis. We're in a conflict between one branch of government and the other. It's the third branch who stand to resolve that. Now, supposedly this week, uh, there is a federal judge who's going to expedite a hearing on, uh, I don't know if it's his uh, Trump's taxes, but it's one of the subpoena requests sure. for, for documents. And uh, if the courts allow the executive to run roughshod over the Constitution, then we're not only in a constitutional crisis, but maybe close to game over. Well, So it's got to go to the courts. Sure, and there's a lot of question marks about the phrase executive privilege. Uh, Just to remind you, you are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Didn't even... Calling will be coming up shortly. Didn't even get to Giuliani's amazing, oh, right. bizarre statement about uh, going to Ukraine. We're not meddling in an election. We're meddling in an investigation, which we have a right to do. Okay. Does he hear himself say these things out loud? I, I don't think so. Well, it might be apropos if uh, there was an investigation into Rudy Giuliani's handling of uh, investigations into Donald Trump in the 1980s. When he was the that prosecuting. would be interesting. Yeah. Anyway, we're out of time. Thanks to Andrew for engineering. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling coming up next on this fine station. Let's start what we have come into the room to do. <laughs> right on. Here goes. One, two, three. Thoughts of impending global ecological.